Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Student Ministries Pastor Carlo Gusilatar for today's message. Good morning, church. My name is Carlo Gusilatar. I'm one of the student ministry leaders here at Paseo del Rey. Um, We have been in a series called Know, See, and Savor. Um, We've been looking at different attributes of God to help us grow first in our understanding and knowledge of God. Um, But we don't just stop in our knowing. We grow in our knowing God so that our right and true understanding might lead us to true worship, to true enjoyment, to true affections, true love towards the one true God. Amen. John Piper puts it this way. The divine fingers of scripture are meant to pluck every string in the harp of your soul. We never read just to know. Our hope this whole series is that as you read your Bible, as we spend time together um, learning through preaching, through teaching, that you would fall deeper and deeper in love with who God is, who Jesus is, that you would enjoy him more and more, that your praise and your worship would grow louder and louder, and ultimately that your trust and faith would grow in him. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at a number of God's attributes. Um, We've looked at God's holiness. We've looked at God and his faithfulness. Um, we, we learned about Abraham and how he was kind of a constant screw-up, but, but God was very faithful um, in, in bringing about the promises that he gave to Abraham. He was faithful to him. We studied God's goodness, and we also looked at God's severity. We've looked at God's majesty, his beauty, his splendor. We looked at God's immutability, the fact that everything around us is always changing, yet God doesn't change. Last week, Jared taught us about God's aseity, his independence, how we as man need God, yet God has no need of us, but God died for us. Today, we look at God as friend. If it wasn't given away by uh, the the worship music that we've been singing and and, uh, Matt's prayer, we are looking today as God as friend. Um, And it's been a ton of fun for me this series to watch the different guys come up and preach from our church. Um, Some of these guys are some of my closest friends and um, I was joking with them that, man, like, they're intellectuals, right? Like, they were teaching us about, like, the aseity of God, God and his immutability. Um, we learned about the communicable, incommunicable attributes of God um, as we looked at change, the extrinsic change, and the intrinsic change. And, man, that's a lot of big words. And I wanted to make sure that I engaged the intellectuals in the room as well. And so I looked up a couple words. And, and so today, for you guys, I'm preaching on God's amicability or God's affability, right? I already sound and feel 10 times smarter saying that, um, but that's as much as I've got for you, okay? So um, if, you, uh, if, if you want to be engaged that way, just kind of insert those words as I talk about God's friendship and, and him being friend, okay? Um, God as friend is such a distant concept at times um, because we've been studying, right, that he is so much more than just that. We know that he's king of king, that he is God most high, that he is creator of all things, the one who has no beginning, who has no end, the one who is outside of time, the alpha, the omega. He is glorious. He's the unmovable mover. And man, how could someone like him be friends with someone like me, with someone like us? The truth is, friends, you can't make friends with God. You can't make friends with God. And we're going to come back to that a little bit, okay? Hold your pitchforks down. Um, switching gears a little bit, uh, for those of you who don't know, I work here part-time. 
uh, at the church with the students, junior high, high schoolers. Um, and I also work part-time in inventory over at Apple. Um, who knows what this year marks for Apple? Anybody know? Ten years of the iPhone. A lot more people hearing you than the first service, though. Um, the ten-year anniversary of the iPhone, absolutely. Um, everyone's excited for the iPhone 8 and whatever it's supposed to look like. Um, we have people come into the store left and right asking about if I have any insight into what's, what it's going to look like, the final designs, what day it's coming out. And I figured, you know, since you guys are my church family, I love you guys, I wanted to give you a little bit of insider info. I don't know. Okay? I don't know. Um, that's, that's what makes it, them so good at, at hiding it. They don't tell us. So. Um, working over at Apple the past two years, uh, we as a brand have celebrated the anniversaries of products. Uh, we've celebrated the anniversaries of the company. Um, anytime that there's been change, like at the stores, anytime that, um, anytime uh, Steve Jobs' birthday came around or, or even um, his death, uh, part of that celebrating was reminiscing and looking at who Steve Jobs was, right? The man who made Apple what it is today. And as we've celebrated Apple's success and talked about Steve Jobs, just, just quick, this is not like, a, this is not like a, an ad or anything for Apple, okay? Um, as we've celebrated Apple's success and talked about Steve Jobs, I've heard my coworkers talk about how Jobs was a visionary, how he had the ability to see past what the market wanted, um, to know ahead of time what the market needed, what people needed. I've heard about my coworkers talk about how he's changed the world through technology, and he, he has, hasn't he, right? Everyone here probably, lots of us have, have iPhones, and the way we interact with our phones are a little bit different today. Um, Everyone held their breath to see what he had to announce next. It always seemed to always be something new and amazing. I've heard my coworkers quote him and shower praises over him. And on the other hand, I've also heard them talk about sometimes his bad attitude um, and talk about how much of a jerk he was, um, definitely not during our staff meetings. Um, and a lot of these things might be true about Steve Jobs, but the truth is none of these guys knew him. None of these guys are really work, that I work with really knew who he was at a personal level. None of the men and women that I worked with sat with him as he racked his brain over what to do next, as he dreamed about the next big thing. None of them were there when he originally got kicked out of the company and sat in misery. None of them sat with him as he dreamed about new possibilities or sat in fear and anxiousness when he found out about his cancer. All these guys knew about Steve Jobs, but none of them were in relationship and really knew Steve Jobs as a person. Um, I was reminded of this, um, so I tell the story because I was reminded of this when I came home one night, and I was pretty tired from work and, and working the two jobs. I, I, was, I was here, and I was there. It was a really long day. I got home, um, and I just, I just needed to unwind. And uh, being the great follower of Jesus that I am, um, you know, I reached over to my Bible to read something. I went, and as I reached over for my Bible, um, some reason my hand kind of kept creeping over and over, ended up going past my Bible, um, towards the remote that was sitting right next to it. <laughs> and uh, I hit that button with the red rectangle and the white letters. You all know it. Netflix. Right? So don't judge me because I know you guys do it too. Okay? <laughs> it just so happened that the show that uh, Netflix was suggesting to me was about Steve Jobs. This really isn't a product placement thing. I, 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 just, I, keep, I keep hearing myself, and it's not a product placement thing. Okay? Um, it just so happened that the show was suggesting to me uh, uh, was a show about Steve Jobs. 
And I didn't really want to watch anything that I wanted that I had to get too involved in. I just wanted some background noise as I flipped through my phone to check my social media and see all my friends on Facebook. All right. But I ended up kind of engrossed in this uh, in this documentary. Um, and again, in the documentary, you had a bunch of seemingly important people talking about Steve Jobs and what they did together. Um, but but one particular story struck me. It was a, a man named Walt Mossberg. He came on. Um, Walt Mossberg was a tech journalist, and he wrote a bunch of articles for the, the Wall Street Journal, and he had conducted a series of interviews with Steve Jobs, and, and from that, their friendship grew. Mossberg in the documentary was sharing about how um, uh, a story about Steve later on in life when he had to withdraw from the public eye because his cancer grew worse and worse. Um, but Mossberg had gone over to Steve's house one day, and they went for a walk, and they talked, of course, about the tech industry, the tech world, and they continued to walk. They were headed to the park, but Steve had to stop for a moment because he was ill. He just, he just needed a moment. Mossberg asked if he was all right. He was all right, and they continued their walk towards the park, and when they got on the park bench, uh, they sat, and they continued to talk. Um, Mossberg had suffered a heart attack some, some, uh, a while back, and you had Steve lecturing Mossberg on, on his health, and Mossberg, of course, is lecturing Steve on his health, and uh, there's kind of this back-and-forth banter, and they get up, and they walk back home and continue their conversation, and that's the story. It's not the greatest story, not the most compelling story, um, but the thing that I was struck by it was that he was sharing from a place of experience, right? Uh, a place of being in the presence of Steve, right? He was walking with him. He was talking with him. He was enjoying his time with him, giving him advice. They were laughing together. You could tell that they had he had enjoyed these moments with Steve. And that's what we want, right? We want friendship and relationship with God. We know that there's a difference between just knowing about God and actually knowing and spending and knowing God at a personal level. We even use that term, a walk with God, right? Like Mossberg walked with Steve. And like I said earlier, we don't want to just know about him. We want to enjoy him completely. Like our sermon series says, we want to savor him. But coming back to what I said earlier, the bad news is that the truth is you can't make friends with God. But I do have some good news. You can't make friends with God, but God can make friends with you. God can make friends with you. Um, we're going to be in the book of John this morning, chapter 15. You guys can go ahead and turn there. Um, we're going to be looking at verse 9. And um, I still forgot to write down the page number of, the, of the, the Bible that's in front of you. So if you're using one of the Bibles in front of the pews, um, in student ministry we do something. Whoever's the first one to get there, you can go ahead and just yell out that page. Perfect. At this point, I would throw a Jolly Rancher at you. Fred would get mad at me and say, hey, you need to hand those to him. <laughs> 1082. Go ahead and turn there. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll get going. <sighs> Father God, we are thankful for who you are, God, that you are glorious, that you are majestic, God, that you are holy, God, um, that you are at times very huge and very big to fathom, can't even grasp that. Um, but God, we, we want to know you more. We thank you that uh, you help us to know you more and more. Thank you, God, that you've given us your scriptures, God, 
And for those who believe in you, the Holy Spirit can know you more and more. So, God, I ask that you would help us this morning as we dive into your word, as I continue to speak, Lord, to, to help us to know you more, God, so that um, not so that we wouldn't know you, God, but that we would um, spend time with you, God, that we would, um, yeah, sit in your presence, help us to savor you. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen. From the beginning of the book of John, and we'll start there and we'll come back to our verse. From the beginning of the book of John, Jesus has been making known to the Jewish people that the kingdom of God was at hand, that people needed to believe in him and ultimately in the one who sent him. He had done some amazing works, and the book of John shows us some of the crazy miracles that Jesus had done. But the time had come for Jesus to fulfill his purpose, and the story changes pace. It's the march towards the cross. It was after the Passover meal and after Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, giving them glimpse, a glimpse of what kind of love and servants they were to be to the world, that Jesus started to give the disciples his final teachings. It was during these moments that Jesus shared these words, and we're going to go ahead and start in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Like I said earlier, you can't make friends with God. Um, but in verse 12 and 13, we are, we are reminded that God is the pursuer of friendship. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He tells them, hey, what I want for you is to love each other like I loved you. Um, this, and this is what that love looks like, that you'd lay down your life for your friends. And the disciples wouldn't fully come to understand what Jesus meant by this um, as he was teaching them. They wouldn't know until his death, his resurrection, and the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Um, but we're fortunate enough, fortunate enough to have the scriptures um, for, like I said, for those who believe in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, showing us these things. When I said earlier that you can't make friends with God, some of you may have been taken aback and probably were ready to write on your comment cards um, to, to get rid of me. Um, what am I teaching the students, right? But what I meant was this. The book of John opens up in chapter 1 and tells us that the true light came into the world, that he went to his own, that his own did not receive him. Romans 3 would tell us that no one is righteous, that no one seeks God. And in chapter 5 of Romans, that we were enemies with God. Colossians says that we were hostile in our minds towards him. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that there was nothing in us that desired him. Not any one of us could do anything good enough to warrant his friendship, that we weren't looking for it, and that we did not want it. But the good news is that God is the initiator and pursuer of this friendship. The cross is ultimately where Jesus went. 
Jesus lived that perfect life, didn't deserve to die, yet gave his life for us. Hence why in our passage it says, laid down his life for our friends. The cross, Jesus on the cross, Jesus dying, gave us access and relationship, gave us right standing with God the Father. Where there was previously no way to have friendship with God, God made a way through Jesus. That's the first thing we see about God through this passage, is that he is the pursuer of friendship. The second thing is this. Friendship with God is possible because he makes it personal. No longer do I call you servants, in verse 15 he says, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. I want you for a moment to stop, and I want you to think about some of your best friendships. Okay? Stop and think about some of the best friends that you have. How did that friendship begin, and how did that friendship grow? Did you discover common likes and dislikes? Did you share common goals and dreams and desires? Do you share the same life stage, going through the same struggles? Are you working through the same fears? Do you guys have the same passions? Do you have, do you have a, the same taste in music? The only way to grow in friendship with people is to grow in our understanding of one another, to talk and to share yourself with each other. Right? Like, you don't, you don't just show up at a coffee shop one day, your eyes are scanning the room, you guys lock eyes with someone, and like, boom, that's my best friend. Like, that just doesn't happen. At least, that's what I thought until uh, uh, Fred Fred is a complete introvert. Fred is um, the other student uh, pastor here at Paseo del Rey, and he swears by it that his college best friend, the way that that relationship, that friendship started was hours of playing Madden on the Xbox and not speaking a word. That's how their friendship started. Um, and, and right, they became best friends, and the rest is history. And I still hear, even to this day, the legends say that they still haven't spoken a word to one another. <laughs> But somehow they're still best friends. I guess it's possible. But no, of course I, I joke. Um, but friendship requires that we share ourselves with each other, that, that we, we have to get to know each other. Um, but how is that possible with God? Like I shared, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, how is it that we can have similarities with him? That's what a lot of the philosophers had issues with in regards to friendship with God. How is it then that friendship is possible? A few things. The book of Genesis tells us that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Similarities? Absolutely. We were made to reflect God, though at the fall, when sin crept into the world, that image was broken and that image was distorted. But ultimately, we're image bearers of God. We do have similarities towards him. Not only that, but God came into the world. Uh, this past Wednesday with, with uh, the student ministry, um, one of the things that we learned from Fred, and, and I like referencing Fred because he's just very succinct in the way that he puts things, um, but he was telling the students that the God who created the universe, the stars, the moon, the sky, the galaxies, and he had us look up and just kind of stare and just look up and, and realize that the God who made all of that up there, and then he had us look at our hands. He said, made all this down here. And then he said that the God who made everything up there, the galaxy, the stars, the sky, everything, and that made everything down here became like one of us. It became like one of us. 
God came in the form of man, God incarnate, living a life from birth to death in the person of Jesus as a baby, weak and vulnerable, to a man who went through the same hardships and temptations that we go through every day. So he did perfectly. The God who made everything up there and the God who made everything down here became like one of us. Similarities, commonalities, absolutely. Another thing is that 1 Corinthians 2, verses 11 to 12, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to go ahead and just read it for us. Um, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. It's not just us, it's, it's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that helps us to understand all the things that God wants to make known to us, right? So we share commonalities, and he shares himself through the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Spirit to help us know him more. We've received the Spirit of God. We can know him because he gives us the ability to know him. Like I said, where there, was, where there wasn't a way, God made a way. For the disciples in our passage, they have Jesus in the flesh, God incarnate, God in human form, in Jesus in front of them, telling them, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Though there are many things about God that we may still be unsure of, though there may be many mysteries about who God is still, um, he makes it so that we can get personal with him. Right? He made us like him. He came like us and gives us the spirit to know him. Like I said, friendship with God. Friendship, we can't make friends with God, but it's possible. Friendship with God is possible because he makes it personal. Lastly, friendship with God is possible because he gives us purpose. Um, I always stop and I'm a little hesitant to share this story. But have you ever had those friends growing up um, who kind of show up at your house unexpectedly, they pop in without your knowing. Uh, they kind of come over, they open your fridge, they eat your food, they come and they want to hang out for a long time, forever, don't ever want to leave. Um, they come and they ask to borrow your car. Sometimes they ask to borrow money with promises of paying you back, and sometimes they do, or they let you borrow or try to give you things, right? Like as barter, like, hey, I've got this thing, I'll give it to you. And, like, we can call it even, right? And then you find out that thing that they're trying to give you was yours to begin with. <laughs> they ask to stay over for the night. They end up staying for a week. Um, they just don't seem to add very much value to your life. Um, what kind of friendship is that? Um, and as I sat and as I thought and I was looking back and thinking about friends in my life, I came to a realization. I didn't have friends like this. Um, and, again, um, Talking about Fred, he always says, you know what that means, right? If you can't think of the friend who's like that, it's because you were that friend. And I was like, <laughs> crap. Like, I was that friend. I was that guy. Um, when I first came to faith, that was me. I was a broke college kid with a lot of debt. Um, and some of you guys know Poncho. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. He's the dude that led me to the Lord. Um, he loves Jesus, apparently. Because um, that's what our relationship was. I would be over if I wasn't at school or if I wasn't at work. I was hanging out with him. 
He was buying me food. He was cooking stuff at his house. I was hanging out into the wee hours of the night. Man, that was what our relationship uh, was. So definitely a guy who loved Jesus. But as we think about um, some of our relationships, um, and besides Poncho, apparently, in a lot of friendships we have, there seems to be a mutual uh, benefit to both parties, whether it's someone who listens well, someone who shares the same passions, someone who offers wise counsel and advice someone who offers good conversation and good companionship, even if it's just someone who's available to hang out at all times, like I was. Um, At the very least, both parties typically like something about the other person enough to keep them around. But what do you and I have to offer someone who has everything? What do you have to offer, what do I have to offer to someone who has absolutely no need of anything we have or no need of us? What do we offer God? He didn't create us because he was sad and he was lonely. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one, fully satisfied in perfect harmony and relationship with one another. He didn't need our friendship. Last week we learned about, um, from Jared, uh, that God, um, that we need God, man needs God, God doesn't need us, that he's fully independent, Our praise and our affections don't make him more holy or more worthy. He's completely that without us already. Yet, God gives us purpose. He says, you did not choose me. I'm looking back at our passage. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. God gives us purpose. God invites us in to participate in what he's already doing, to bear fruit. God didn't choose us simply that we would be saved from sin and go to heaven and hang out and hang out in this giant playpen, right, Um, and live like a bum, kind of like I did. Um, God invites us to bear fruit, to be purposeful. He gives us the joyful task of reflecting him more and more. That image that I was talking about, that broken image of God we portray, he's he's restoring that, that image that was distorted at the fall. And as he restores us, we reflect him more and more. And in that, people around us, people who don't know Jesus, and even to people who do, us around each other, that we all would see more clearly in God's people who God is. So that ultimately in all things, in all praise, in all our worship, we would glorify him. And because we enjoy God, we want to stay in God, abide with God, be with him. And because we want the things of God, the things we do and the things we desire reflect the heart of God. That's the abide piece there in our passage. He loves us. We praise him. We see more of him. We want him to be known all the more. Sounds like a good time. God gives us purpose. We don't, like I said, we don't just sit around. God invites us into the work. When he has absolutely no need of us, he invites us in. He gives us purpose. I want you to think again about um, your friendships. And this time I want you to think about the friendships that you had, that you no longer have. Uh, We all have friends who we used to have, friends who we enjoyed time with, and friends who we loved and cared for. But what are those things that got in the way? Was there not enough time to hang out? Did life get busy? 
in the time that you used to share together get filled with other things? Life happened and you feel like they weren't there for you in your time of trouble or your time of need, so you nixed that friendship? Did things seem to change in your friendship and one day you woke up and realized they just weren't who they were cracked up to be? Did they say or do something to offend you so much so that you had a falling out? I think a lot of times these same reasons may be the same reasons that keep us from pursuing friendship further with God. We believe that our friendship with God um, is like our earthly friendships, um, right? Where, where, hey, where we have pulled out of friendships, where we have ended friendships with people, where we've decided something else was more important than that friendship. When we would pull, when we would pull away, Jesus presses further in. He doesn't do that. He doesn't waver in his love for us. Um, I love how the, the storybook Bible puts it. Um, I just think it's very easy to understand, and, and I just love the way it puts it. He, it says, he loves with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever kind of love. I can understand that. So, yes, we, we can't make friends with God, but God can absolutely 100% make friends with us. Jesus is the initiator. He pursues friendship with us. He allows that friendship to be personal making us in his image, coming, coming to us, being like one of us, and he gives us purpose. We don't have to worry if he's got enough time for us. He always does. When he calls you into, into friendship, here's probably one of my favorite things, is that he sees the whole you. He's not waiting to discover something new about you that's horrible, that upsets him, that offends him, and get rid of you. He sees the whole you and still calls you into friendship. Have you forgotten who he was? He'll remind you again and again. Sometimes he even gives us people around us to remind us of him. Have you felt like it's been too long since you last spoke or talked with God? He's been there all along. Um, I just wanted to share, um, man, this past year has been absolutely rough um, for me. Um, and uh, working the two jobs and trying to figure out, figure out a baby um, one year old, and um, sometimes life does get in the way, and it had been a while since since I'd uh, spent spent savoring being with God. And um, the funny thing about God is sometimes when He gives us something to look at, something to read, it's that reminding, right? Uh, that reminder. And so it's been such a joy, and such a pleasure to spend over the past month preparing for the sermon time with God. And and one of the things was. I was reminded of, yes, let's absolutely embrace the truth that God is, is, is sometimes big to fathom. Like, again, in this series, we've seen King of Kings, God Most High, Alpha, Omega. Yet, he has befriended us through Jesus. He's all we need. He alone brings us complete satisfaction. He's the friend you have who's most loving, who's going to be the most help. There will never be a friend who does so more than God. He'll never let us down. And so with that, I just want to ask you to press in um, that invitation to come in, to draw near, um, to, to, to be with Jesus, to spend that time. I think sometimes we're so afraid uh, of, of making him mad, and, and we're so afraid that uh, it's been too long, that sometimes we just want to stay on the outside. We're so afraid um, of what he thinks of us. But yes, he loves us, absolutely loves us, no denying it. 
he shows it, he proves it on the cross. But not only does he love us and love the world, and he likes us, right? We see him draw near. We see him draw near. So come, press into Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and uh, as we do, I'm going to invite the ushers um, to collect this morning's offering. Um, yeah, let them pray for us. God, would we be reminded this morning, Lord, um, fully and completely who you are, God, um, that you aren't just one thing, God, that you are all these attributes that we've been looking at, God, and as we've studied and as we've looked at you as, as majestic and, and God most high and unchanging and out of time, would we also be reminded that you are a God that draws near, that you pursue us, God, in friendship, God, that you make it possible, God, when there was nothing in us that desired or wanted friendship with you, you came. God, and would we be reminded that uh, you give us purpose. Um, God, that, that you want to use us. Even um, when, we're, when we mess up, when we're not the best of friends towards you, God, um, you want to continue to use us. And so, Jesus, I just want to invite all of us, God, whether it's beginning a friendship with you, God, or, or we've known you for a while, God, would we spend time, God, would we walk with you, Lord, would we um, be in relationship with you? God, we have nothing to offer you, God, and so we are so thankful that um, you make it possible. In Jesus' name, amen.